I got sunburned really bad one time. <laughs> I got sunburned really I got. bad one time. That's the best story you've got. Uh. Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit do better so together we can be a little better. Well, welcome to A Little Better. Help me out, Nay. What week are we on in the Who Is This Jesus series? Week number four. Week number four. Well, listen, um, thanks for uh, accepting the baton from Drew. He looks like he was getting a little tired. He needed a little help, so I kind of stepped in the video into there. A, so yeah. you stepped up, cleared up a few things. That's right. But yep. uh, why don't you give, I mean, it was only half a sermon, so I don't know if you're going to give us your sermon in 60 or a sermon yeah, in 30. 30. Only 30 seconds for 30 this 30 seconds. One. Yeah. It's the, the story of Lazarus and uh, Jesus bringing him back to life. And so really talked about how in this story of Lazarus, you see kind of two sides of Jesus that help us answer this question of who is he. We see the humanity as well as the deity, which can be two big like theological truths. So how, do you, how does that relate, though, to what Jesus wanted you know, Mary and Martha and his disciples to understand about who he was and why he came. And it was to not only see the softer side and the, that human side of Jesus, but also to see, man, he has the power to raise people to life. But the whole goal is to understand who he, who he truly is, that he came not only to walk with us, but he came to uh, redeem us as well. Right. Now, I've been asking Drew for like some, you know, for our podcast folks here, uh, some of the behind the scenes stories in the making of it. Um, so you were not in Israel, but can you remember what you were doing at the exact time that this was being filmed in Israel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're trying to assume I was watching Top Gun Maverick, weren't you? I probably was. Who knows? Yeah. It's like apparently that or a superhero movie, yes. as I heard. So, yeah. Yeah. But um, listen, I, so I was talking to Drew about it last week, but I mean, these sermons were conceived like a year ago. Yeah. And so for Drew to have that whole journey of conceiving it and then going to Israel, filming and coming here, what was it like for you? you, you you're part of the planning of yep. sermons and things. Were you around when this was conceived? Yep, yep. So we have a, a sermon writing team, SRT is how we kind of call it internally. But uh, but yeah, so we, we have a team, we get together and we think of... Um, series, but not only just think of series, then we kind of sit down and break them down and really kind of write them and plan them uh, together. And so, yeah, it was, I don't remember now, probably a year or so ago where we kind of worked through, okay, what are the six characteristics of Jesus in the series that we want to focus on and highlight? And were you thinking at that time about both the video portion and the live portion, or was it just all about the video portion and the live portion got thought about later? So the... The video portion was before the live, just because uh, I forget exactly why. I think it was more just due to timing, and like we gotta we gotta get all these narrowed down and written that way. Drew can feel ready to go for his trip, um, and I believe that we had that content, which then helped on the live portion. So we definitely started with the video stuff first and kind of solidified what do we want to focus because you gotta. Think of planning. You got to think of what towns you're going to go to, what parts of Jerusalem, what parts of Israel to go to. So we kind of wanted to nail that down. Once we had that, then it kind of, the second part later was thinking through the live portion. The Israel logistics were more daunting than the stage logistics. Yeah, right. but, sure. but the stage has logistics too, in the sense that 
we have a whole creative team. Like, you know, there's graphics that are done that, you know, people see the lower thirds, you know, scripture references, the fill in the blanks. So all of that stuff, you're working with teams to get that done, you know, ahead of time and, um, you know, share, you know, you know, share a manuscript. Yep. And then, you know, we online, you know, we're, we're um, reacting to your message as well. So lots of, there's it's, it's tons such of coordination. A team, it's a team yeah. sport, and there were so many people. And the way it all fell together this year was it was was really neat too. With with just you know coming out of Mountain Mover into Easter, and there's just there is a ton of coordination and planning that goes goes into it, and certainly fun to fun to yeah. be a part of. I think I think 2023 has been a great year. Myself, I've just in terms of what it's been able to be put together with you know Mount Mover with Israel you know the rest has been a great ride so anyway uh, thanks for doing that but I was kind of curious about when you're I loved hearing about your your and M's intentionality with your kids at nighttime and I was just kind of curious with how you explain the hypostatic union to them at that time <laughs> that's your first question <laughs> the hypostatic union Oh, we got to get a little more theological on the podcast, right? The God Man. How We're do you going help? behind the scenes? We got to go a little the God deeper. Man, fully God, fully, <laughs> fully man. Yeah. So it's <clears throat> which you know we don't. It's true. Like in your message, you didn't use big theological words, but we know. I mean, these are yeah. things that can break your brain. You know, to try yeah. to think about. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, <clears throat> the deity. Like, I mean, there, there's a lot of questions mm-hmm. of. Yeah, what that truly looks like and even, you know, what that means, especially when you look at, like, developmentally, how mm-hmm. Jesus grew in stature and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, how, but yet he was still God. Like, there's pieces to that that are just hard, I think, in our minds to comprehend. Theologians have written books on to sure. to help us to right. be able to see. But it, it, they are very big truths when you look at the deity, even the humanity of, mm-hmm. of Jesus, which are both on display in the story mm-hmm. of Lazarus. Um yeah. But yeah, I, I guess I tried to not get too bogged down in that to oh, help people sure. see the... But there is a practical side to it. So yeah. I mean, Jesus is 100% human, 100% a man, 100% God, not 50-50, um, fully both, which makes it interesting to observe him because as he moves through life, I'm asking... Am I seeing his humanity mm. or his divinity? Mm-hmm. When he's weeping, when he has these deep emotions, I, we see him get you know torqued. You know, at times he's flipping tables in the temple, or he's weeping at Lazarus's tomb, or he's sweating blood mm-hmm. in the garden. Are we seeing? Is that are those? Is that him as a human or him as God? I just it's it's hard to. Yes. And then how how much of that do we experience as well? Yeah. So. I know it. It is. It is interesting. I think that's why I appreciate the story of Lazarus so much. Because to me, you get one of the more intimate or or like uh, windows into the humanity of Jesus. That is is amazing to me. The fact that you know mm-hmm. he wept even mm-hmm. when he knew full well he had the complete ability to like salt. You know, bring Lazarus back. Right. But the fact that, yeah, he would mm-hmm. display comfort, display grief and sympathy and empathy to his right. his friends is just re- remarkable. And I think that is the thrust of your sermon and of the scripture, is that he understands us, right. he gets us. Um, the, oh, what was I thinking about? Um, but, uh, yes, other religions you think about, you know, that just don't, you know, you know have this, or great leaders, right? You, it's often been pointed out that of all the great leaders in history, you can think about people like 
the Buddha or Mohammed or that. None of them mm-hmm. claim to be God. You know, Jesus alone claims to be God. A lot of people have claimed to be God, but they never got the stature of great world leader, respected teacher. He's the only one who's made that claim, and it's been credible because he's risen from the dead. One of the things that got cut from the chopping block was literally right before Jesus went to the Jordan River, which is the beginning of John 11, Mm -hmm. he's in Jerusalem, and he is teaching, and he makes the clearest claim to his divinity at the end of John, John mm-hmm. 10, like the Jewish leaders are trying to pin him down, get him to say, hey, he is God, because if he does, then they can kill him, because what's the penalty for blasphemy? Mm-hmm. You kill him, you stone him. And so they're questioning him, and uh, yeah, and, and Jesus makes this statement of, I and the Father are one. Yeah. And immediately they go to stone him, and Jesus responds, and he says, why are you, why are you trying to stone me? And they said, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And right. so you see, you see this, this him, him say it, but then you also see the evidence of that now in the story of Lazarus where, man, he has the power over, that would be one of those God moments. That's right. where the deity side of him comes out. Sure, so, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm, I'm not even, can't even remember the name of the song, but there's a song that we sing which has a couple lines in it, he, you know, a God who weeps and a God who bleeds. Mm. And that, I just always get moved emotionally by that. But a fully God fully man so again that he can enter into it i was i was talking to you before the podcast so i I've, I've got an example if you don't but i'll ask you as well because i think that's the uniqueness of our savior is that we can suffer and there's a way that suffering isolates you you know it's just like no one else knows what i'm going mm-hmm. through right? Mm -hmm. I can't put it into words. They can't possibly experience it. It makes me very alone. And yet at the same time, I can feel very connected to God. I can be very connected to Jesus because even if I can't find understanding here, he knows, he understands. Have you ever had that point in your life where you you know, just felt like suffering bring you closer to God in that way? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, there have been different different points. I don't know that I've praised God for his goodness and grace. I've had like mm-hmm. deep catastrophic. We've or like known real, people with far more suffering than for us. For sure. Yeah, yes. for sure. But yeah, I can definitely point back to moments of just feeling kind of like, where else can I turn or who else can I right. write? Like you do mm-hmm. feel alone. So I, I, I definitely understand where suffering can mm-hmm. lead you to a place of feeling alone, but yet that can also be the very place where the presence of Jesus is more real than yeah. any other time in, in your life. What about you? So yeah. you have a, <laughs> do you have, have a, a, a moment? Well, one thing that comes to mind, in some ways it, 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 it feels a little shallow. I can talk about times, I mean, I was with both my parents when they died. I mean, I've, I mean those are some of the you know, more challenging times you know, for me and for my faith, and God was very real and present. But I, I have one specific example that comes to mind was um, when I was recovering from prostate surgery. I had prostate cancer. And uh, years ago, 15 years ago, praise God, everything's been clear since. But I remember recovering at home and having bladder spasms, which were unbelievably painful. I mean, I could tell a long story describing, it was for me the worst pain of my life. And I remember laying on my bed 
and being a little frustrated that my nurse wife, you know, wasn't a little more sympathetic. <laughs> but I laid there and I was thinking there's no way for me to put into Karen's head what I'm experiencing. You know, this pain is, it's mine alone. And other people have pain that's theirs alone. But I just laying there and thinking that I knew that God, you know, was with me and understood me. And I, I wasn't fearing for my life or anything, but it was, it was unbelievable pain that was very hard to handle. But at that time, and then it just opens up because then you say, well, I know this suffering is, it's not that much, okay? It's, 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 it's going to be over soon. It's not that bad. But to think about how much more Jesus yeah. must have suffered in the garden, how much more he suffered for us, understand, and giving some compassion to others in their suffering, and being able to point them yep. to a Savior you know, who understands. So anyway, for me, that's kind of where that's that good. humanity and that, and that uh, divinity are, are, are such a comfort. Um, so to follow up on Drew, um, he was talking about a couple of reasons that Jesus wept. Um, and he mentioned the first was just looking at the devastation of sin, you know, in this world. So just weeping over, I mean, the death even was necessary because we sinned. It was necessary that death followed. But, you know, our world is wrecked by that. It also, The other thing he said was, weeping over our lack of faith. Mm. And I was, it reminded me of that other story, Luke 18, where there's that parable with the unjust judge. So this woman is praying for justice and this judge, he doesn't care about justice, you know, but this woman is just pestering him so much that he finally says, fine, I don't care about justice. I don't care what people think, but just get this woman off my back. I'm going to give her justice. And then Jesus turns around and says, won't God you know, give us justice? He loves us. Of course, he's going to give us justice. But it, it ends with Jesus saying, when the son of man returns, will he find faith mm. on the earth? Mm. So in you were talking, that's really where you're sermon went mm -hmm. was Jesus looking us in the face and saying, do you believe this? So I was just kind of wondering, like, are there, what are the practical ways? And I'm sorry, I'm going on for a while because I love what I'm, I'm just riffing on what you said, man. <laughs> I loved it. But what was added was that you said not only to believe it, but to treasure it. Sure. And I think that's so key. Sure. I think that we have, it's not about a head knowledge or signing off on the right doctrine, but there's a deep, deep experience mm -hmm. that God wants. And it, maybe it's only possible through mm -hmm. suffering to see it. But mm -hmm. for you, I mean, just, uh, can we talk about practical ways if we feel like this is all just too familiar and numb to us? practical ways that we can make it alive again, practical ways that we can treasure it, practical ways. And I didn't even talk about relationships. You talked a lot about, um, you know, relationship, but anyway, how do we treasure? Yeah. This? I think it can look, it can look so different to how we're wired and what our, what our, what our passions are, the way that we learn, the way that we grow. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think treasuring Christ can look a lot of different ways practically, um, to people, um, I, I just think it, it it starts obviously with just a prioritizing that relationship with Christ. That that mm -hmm. that's central. That it's foundational. That I'm mm -hmm. going to treasure my relationship with Christ, and so that means, man, I'm going to hopefully prioritize that in my in my schedule, in my mm -hmm. in my day where I'm talking to God, where I'm in His Word. Um, 
I, I think too, just I'm, I'm sharing that with people around me that are also helping me to to grow in that. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a solo. I think there's solo parts that are good. We're in our private disciplines or personal disciplines. We're growing in Christ, but there's also a corporate side of it too. You know, as group coaches, we know yeah, that like, sure. man, you can't grow spiritually unless you're connected relationally. Right. So other people have helped me treasure Christ. You, mm-hmm. Brad, have mm-hmm. helped me treasure Christ in my life as we talk about life, we talk about work, mm-hmm. we talk about like there, there's the mutual way of seeing God right. at work in your life and, right. and, and working through that uh, together in conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, to me, one of the ways that that's helped me is just getting outside. I'm a big outdoorsy guy and that to me, getting in God's creation is a way for me to almost just like feel surrounded by, by him and to mm-hmm. appreciate that the God who created all of this also is God in the flesh, came mm-hmm. as, a, as a man walked this earth, mm-hmm. created all of this, but yet also, um, man, cares about me deeply enough to give his life for me. So to, to me, ways that I treasure Christ to are outside of like the personal, kind of the mm-hmm. usual, man, the outdoors are a way that I feel as though I really connect yeah. with God. How about you? How well, thanks. You- so much to love in your answer, by the way. And I, I love that reminder because I think it's easy when we answer that question just to go to the alone time, Yeah, you know, which is so important, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Don't Jesus downplay that. prioritized that yep, alone time, for sure. right? And it's just that that communion with God, you know, that discipline, you know, and, you, know, the, you know, that prayer and that study. And sometimes it's in just like the cathedral of nature, right? <laughs> Where you're just reminded of the, of the creator behind it all. So that alone time, but I love that you also talked about, and again, in your sermon, you know, um, about, you know, the connections, you know, you know, you know, you know, with other people. And I think even to be, I don't know, I was even watching the news last night and seeing some of the, the crisis in Sudan, just with there's, you know, flooding and, you know, farmland, you know, wasted children starving. And you just think of, you know, how... How, how do you respond? And that's what made me think about that passage in Luke 18, because such injustice in the world, you know, Jesus, <laughs> when are you going to solve this? But I think just it, we're with other people, we're alongside other people as they suffer, you know, mm. too. And you've yep. seen it as a pastor and we see it as coaches, you know, just, you know, this tough stuff that other people go through and not to have answers for them, but to be near them, it's, that's, it takes us out of ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, so much. And then it's just, yeah. So I, I love your answer, you know, in a few ways. So let's, let's wrap this up talking about our relationships um, and groups, you know, because you kind of made that application. You're a coach. I'm a coach. Um, what, uh, you know, what would you encourage people to do if yeah. they're kind of new to that? Or uh, yeah, I think you know, we've we've talked about this that like you know, a church is so much more than just Sunday Sunday mornings, and you know, mm-hmm. you see that even in the life of Jesus, like he would draw large crowds, but it wasn't just about the crowds; it was about being with people that not only did he experience relationships, but he valued relationships. And I think mm-hmm. what I have loved so much over the, I don't know, 15 years I've been here at Northridge is the priority of learning together and growing together mm-hmm. in community and relationship mm-hmm. with others, which is why we have chosen to really say like, man, we're a church of groups because we believe in it so mm-hmm. much. And we see that when you enter in, in, and if, 
it is kind of structured relationships with other people in groups, though you provide the opportunity, though, to rub shoulders with other people that are in the journey of life as well that mm-hmm. can suffer with you. Or maybe they have a shared experience of what you've gone through that can help you through that, yeah. um, as well as experience the joys of life with others. But yeah. that that I love that, that mm-hmm. it's not just come be taught you're facing us you know as communicators or teachers or pastors but no we're, we're inviting you to go in a circle and now process and work through this yeah together and i think it's easy to say hey i don't need groups but you will yeah. is the thing and mm. it's just i think just to make that wise investment in a relationship now because storms are coming you know challenges are coming and then to have those relationships in place you could feel very alone in a crowded lobby here on a sunday morning or online right, right? because you know something comes and who do I really know here? But if you've already positioned yourself in a group where you have you know, these friendships, here are some people who know you and can respond, and you can be the blessing mm-hmm. of responding to others yep. as well. So yep. love that about groups. Well, listen, um, thanks so much um, for taking us through week four, which means we've got two weeks left. Please keep coming back. Two more trips to, to Israel to wrap up Who Is This Jesus? Jesus.